Hello everyone, this is JB, aka The Colonialist. Welcome to The Colonial Antcast, your favourite podcast about former Sidai, the family of ants. And in today's episode, which is our very first podcast, joining me is... I'm Hood from the channel Ants Hood. I'm Alex from the channel Ant Hullifer. And I'm Jake from My Living World's Ants. Since this is our first episode, you might not know exactly who we are. I'm sure you already follow us on our channels, but if you don't, I'm going to start with a little introduction. So I'm Alex, and as I said before, I run the channel Ant Holifer, and I started ant keeping around three years ago. And I don't know how I really got into the hobby. I think I was just streamlining, streamlining a little bit of YouTube when I just saw an Ants Canada video pop up and start watching some of his videos. And slowly I got into that this is a real hobby and started realizing that many people in the world keep ants. And then I just started keeping ants and recorded it from the second I got my first colony until today. I'm not too dissimilar to you, to be fair. Um, I got into ant, uh, into ant keeping because I got bored of watching the Pimple Doctor on YouTube. And I've always had an interest in ants since I was a, a, a little wee boy. and. I came across the Ant Canada channel. Now you can say what you like about him, but he gets people involved in ants keeping and he got me involved in ant keeping. I think a couple of years after watching him, I was out walking the dog and it was a nuptial flights of the Lagius Nigers uh, or Nigers, whichever you pronounce it. Like I said, I can never pronounce words properly anyway. <laughs> um, so I, I think I ran home, got some tubs and then collected uh, a couple of queens and went from there to be fair. Yeah, I was pretty much the same thing. I didn't really think that ants really existed existed before I really saw these queens just fly all over, over the place. And that's <laughs> when I really started seeing that this hobby actually isn't just the ants, it is also the queens. And yeah. Yeah, big part, queens. What about you, Jake? Um, I'd say, yeah, it was similar for me. Maybe when I was around six or seven, I started being interested in um, a lot of insects. Um, and just in general, like, starting to absolutely love animals but then i noticed like there were always these tiny crawling ants in my garden and i was thinking where do they come from and i just watched them disappear into the ground i think where are they going and then i started reading like you know some books <clears throat> or going on the internet and like finding out all this information and suddenly realizing that there are thousands of them underground and i just found this like so fascinating um, and then I found out, you know, there's like a queen that is responsible for all of it. And then I think I watched Bugs Life. I don't know if any of you remember that film. Oh, yeah. I remember <laughs> yeah. Bugs Yeah, and I watched that and that was honestly, that was the moment my interest just peaked. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. Um, I absolutely love ants. And, you know, over the years, I just learned more and more about them. And yeah, I mean, now I'm studying biology and I'm hoping to work with ants in the future as well. Myrmecologist. Ooh. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> so if you started like wondering what ants were when you were six to seven, when did you get your first colony then? So I'd say probably actually not until around maybe 12 or 13. It was quite quite a long gap. It was a lot of learning and just not really knowing that ant keeping was actually a hobby until then, because it was similar for me. I started watching Ants Canada and I was like, wow, this is amazing. And yeah, I mean, he sparked a lot of people's interests. You can't deny him that. I started my channel um, back in 2017, but then I did take basically a two-year break. <laughs> um, back on it. <laughs> this is probably where I'll be showing my age because I started ant keeping in the land before time. 
there wasn't <laughs> there wasn't many many books written on it literally, literally there was there was still I, I i used to keep a t-rex as a pet at this point but there was there was, <laughs> there was there was no such thing as mobile phones there was no such thing as the internet and believe me i went to the library and tried to find every book i could on ants and there was practically nothing in existence so i started as a young boy with glass jam jars and filling them with dirt and putting queens into those into those jars and hoping that I'd have some success and it was I, I probably massacred about 100 billion queens this way just as a young kid not knowing you know I experimented with sand sand didn't work out sand and loam that didn't work out it it just became bacteria filled and killed all my colonies yeah, so then the I started that... using dirt but I didn't realize about how to make the dirt bioactive so of course again the same problem ammonia buildup killed my colonies and you know for me it was just a lot of trial and error and it wasn't until a couple of years ago now that I realized that ant keeping was an actual hobby and now you could just click on this wonderful thing that was invented called the internet and you can buy ants from all over the world so yeah it's, it's, it's been quite a journey for me quite a rocky journey in the beginning and I wasn't the best kid I was born in the 90s so you know we used to melt plastic clips and, and drip that onto the ants and, and flood them <laughs> with water and all these horrible things that you used to do as a kid in the 90s because you were stuck out in the garden with a stick I don't well, a bit concerned we, we, we also did that when we were in the 20 and the 2000s I mean I'm a 90s <laughs> kid just about so <laughs> yeah I feel like I'm the oldest one here now uh, that's terrible <laughs> <laughs> yeah I guess, I guess we should maybe show our ages I don't know uh, I'm, I'm 20 at least yeah, I'm 21 34 37. Ah, oh, not that bad. Guys, <laughs> shut up. You know. <laughs> See, so you was, you was born with me then, before technology existed. Yeah, man. Oh, I, was yeah. Born I was born 99. I'm, I'm, I'm old. <laughs> Everyone calls me old. I remember the first <laughs> mobile phone I ever had took a, a SIM card the size of a credit card. <laughs> <laughs> I remember playing uh, Lego Star Wars on a flip phone. <laughs> <laughs> But saying that though, JB's so right, um, the internet's made it so accessible for obscure hobbies such as ours. I mean, let's be honest, our hobbies are not mainstream. And whenever yeah, I mention to people that I, I keep pants, they're like, what? Yeah, what that yeah. is the same reaction yeah. that I get. Yeah, yeah, it's great. For its criticisms, brings ant keepers together. It definitely does. I think but, it's yeah. a great platform for ant keeping. Um, mm. There are some times when it goes like, out of line you know you get you do get the scammers on there that find people um but generally i think it's like it's just brilliant because there's no other platform apart from youtube youtube isn't really like the say you can't interact the same way you can interact no. with the youtubers but it's never the same as like facebook where people can actually you know give all you all directly to you need um give you all the links to finding ants you know it's just such a such a great platform i think for ant keeping yeah, I mean, I, I certainly get a lot of enjoyment out of trawling through the groups and, and yeah. finding people that, that sort of need help or they have questions. And if I know the answer and I can help them and, and improve their experience, it's one of the things I love to do. No, oh, I enjoy doing that as well, to be fair, but I'll, I'll never claim to be the be all and end all of keeping because the truth is... Oh, no one is. I'm not, I mean, not we're, very knowledgeable. We're, we're, we're all flawed in... in in some yeah. way or another. Yeah, no, definitely. No one's perfect. I mean, even but when feel... you think you have ant keeping yeah. down, it's not happening. Something. Yeah, something happens and you think, oh. <laughs> I feel yeah. like I have no knowledge of ant keeping compared to some people. 
I'd say I've learned a lot from my mistakes and there's been quite Same. a few over yep. the year, especially Definitely. with the amount of colonies that I have sadly lost this year. But I'm in the that is part of ankeeping. That's what we should talk about because losing colonies is actually a part of ankeeping, I think. It sounds it's, quite It's the hardest say. part and it, yeah. it happens a yeah. lot more frequently than people realise. I mean, the amount of people who buy ants and then sort of a week to two weeks later, they're just like, oh, my colony didn't make exactly. it. I, I don't know what to do. Yeah. It's kind of like um, sometimes, even I think just the shipping of ants, sometimes I think yeah. like when the ants die within like two, three days, it's just from the stress of being exactly. shipped. Especially yeah. if it's a colony that doesn't move. Like in the wild, there's certain species that will just take a nest and they will live and die in that nest for better or for worse, whether it's a good location, a bad location. If it works out great, if it doesn't, they kind of just go down with the ship. Yeah, like, for example, um, you've got other colonies such as Mamakaruba, which have colony budding. So, like, if you were to send them in the post, that would almost do nothing to them because they're used to that process of possibly being moved to another nest. Well, well they're yeah. a roving species, so yeah, they'll either exactly. set up a network of nests or they would just, they yeah. would just keep moving to different nests every two, and, three um, weeks. I guess that's why we talk about like the ethical issues of like shipping ants. For example, whenever I've sent ants, I always send them um, trapped and signed next day, just because I want that stress to be reduced. But I know there are keepers who, you know, send their ants second class, and that's not really. Sadly, though, you can't always guarantee the service you'll get. I mean, I'm pretty sure that my local postie absolutely hates me because I get a lot of live <laughs> insect packages. And every yeah. time they come, they look like they've been through World War One. Yeah, they, they've <laughs> been the through thing. an artillery barrage. They've yeah, probably been no, launched ten that. miles over. People just don't treat them right, even though it says live insects on the box. They almost go out of their way. It's terrible. You're very, you're very right. I like I ordered um, a colony not that long ago, and I exactly ordered this premium so they would arrive the next day. And that was a tropical species, so I really just sat there waiting for the colony to arrive. Yeah, and then it got stuck in toll. Oh, and like no. I, I called them to ask like can can i do anything and they was like no no it's just uh, some documents we're missing it should come tomorrow and i was sitting there thinking they are not no. heated they are not heated they're not heated so the next day i called them again as soon as they opened to talk with them and yeah. i was just like oh yeah there's the documents that we are waiting and I, I was like should i call contact my seller or who's at fault here and it was just the post the uk post oh. sending it to the danish post they hadn't lost the document and I had to wait a whole week before I've got my colony. Luckily, they were fine, but I was just so scared that they had been okay. in a cold environment. At least they're okay. I mean, that's I guess that's yeah, that's the outcome. Some species are surprisingly resilient, and some queens I just call them survivors because yeah, even if they lose all their workers, there are some queens that just love life and they want to keep living. And you and just see will... them producing eggs again. You're like, wow, this is yeah. quick. <laughs> and they will forage as well, even if they're semi-claustral or something like yeah. that. There are certain queens that are just like. I will survive. Yeah. <laughs> and there's there's other queens who are like, oh look at my flourishing colony. It's time I'm just gonna cop it now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's the worst. But that like back to the original point though. That that's the whole thing about handkeeping, isn't it? Is that um, like must like you, uh, JB? I've lost a lot of colonies this this year as well. Um, and people need to realise that it, it's not you've got a queen. You do everything right, and she's gonna she's gonna flourish, and the colony's gonna grow because it isn't not necessarily. No. Sorry, uh, you you can have you can do everything perfect. right. Yeah, you can do everything right, have everything perfect, then for no apparent reason they die. Yeah. But that's I mean, definitely. yeah, that is that is a part of it because there are lots of factors you can't take into like you got to take into account. For example, you know, not everyone might see that there are mites in their colony. They might not know what diseases this colony could already have when they've been shipped here. 
right? Mm. Um, they could have not been fed for weeks before arriving, and that just causes them to die the moment they arrive, even if you try and feed them. Um, there's also things like the fact that we're keeping them in captivity. Well, <clears throat> a lot of people would argue that that's wrong because it's not their natural environment. But then, you know, if you're a responsible, ethical ant keeper, you try and mimic that environment as well as you can. And in some cases, it's even better because in the wild, this colony might get destroyed by like, you know, heavy rain, a flood, or, you know, an okay, animal. In some ways, you know, you're protecting colony. them because yeah. they're very protected from predators and from threats and from other issues. Um, you also have to take into factor the uh, biological flaws of mass production, which sadly is not really spoken about. Queens are mass produced and many yeah. of them do have biological flaws. Their, their hearts might not be formed properly, internal organs might not be formed properly, and they don't have the, the longevity that maybe the first few queens in the yeah. patch have. So this was um, actually something I was talking to Laurent Keller about a professor from um, yeah, I saw the interview. university. That, that was cool, didn't Yeah, you? so he was actually... Yeah, I watched that myself that. this morning. <laughs> um, yeah, he was talking about that, actually, and saying how, like... Because I, I always thought that um, surely the longevity would be in a monogenous queen, because a single queen colony lives... You know, the queen lives a lot longer, whereas in a colony with multiple queens, um, you know, their lifespan doesn't need to be as long because they can keep producing more queens. Yeah. I find as well with certain species, obviously Myrmica tend to live for sort of five years, whereas they say you can keep Lazius alive for 28 to 30 years, but that's yeah, in yeah, lab correct. conditions with yeah, exactly. everything completely and utterly perfect. And I, I don't know if you've seen the study on how they fed them, but they actually liquidized um, mealworms and they oh, fed really? them drops on that. So everything- So they didn't even have to chew. They didn't waste energy like chewing it up. Yeah, everything, everything was was absolutely- Yeah, I can imagine. Oh, that really puts it into perspective. Yeah. I was always like, oh, I may, I may have this colony for 30 years. <laughs> yeah, no, you have it for maybe 10. <laughs> yeah. If you're lucky. I mean, but you never also... know. You, you might just have one of those survivor queens. Yeah. Who will just go on forever, but you know- I it, remember it... in the summer I was I was getting an ant colony just the latest Niger for some reason. I think it was in early March, May, pretty early on the year, and I just couldn't wait for nuptial flights. And I got my queen, and after two weeks, she just died out of mysterious reasons. She was laying on her back and like slowly dying. So I contacted the ant store, and I got a new colony, and they were they were completely fine with it. They were like, "You have video proof. We trust you." I got a new colony, and the exact same thing happened to that colony. No way. Yeah. Wait, did you say ant store? Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. It was. Uh, ant that has store. happened. That has happened to me with a queen. Um, I bought a Campanotus barbaricus, um, and she never laid eggs. And it's been more than six months, maybe eight months. She never laid eggs once. No, I remember my scare with the yeah. uh, the Campanotus japonicus. Uh, yeah. The first queen. All oh, right. Could didn't lay eggs for four and a half months. And they have a very slow development, don't they? Yeah, I mean, that's why I ended up getting another colony from Ants Davy, actually. So I have one colony from Ants HQ and yeah. one colony from Ants Davy. And the first colony, they just they just didn't lay for, for ages. So I was a bit worried that they were going to fail. So I, I got the um, second colony from Ants Davy and then both of them just completely took off. I mean, they've only got 30, 30 workers each now and they don't grow very large but yeah both of them both of them took off after a while of not doing anything unfortunately uh, my queen died to be fair the other week and i've got one worker she still came with four workers 
left her alone, fed him once a week, I think it was, to keep him um, undisturbed. But she just never laid, never laid. Um, mm. And now I've got just the one worker that can feed honey. Tis what it is. I know they're quite difficult to get started because they're super sensitive, but uh, it is what it is, isn't it? To be fair. Yeah, but that's also the thing. You don't just. Most of us innkeepers don't want to just buy a huge colony. We want to get these founding colonies. Yeah, that's, but that's true. When, yeah. But that's when they are most exposed. So yeah, and also it's, it's the it's most difficult. interesting part because you see the colony develop. Like although yeah. it's a long, it's a long waiting game. It's worth it. Like just so worth it. I I never. When I'm looking for a new colony, I never just want to get one queen because I'm always scared that yeah, fertile or something. But right. so well, that's like I me, always like if, want if, one worker at least to prove that it's a it's a working colony. Yeah, Definitely. you you always want that. I mean, I think was it the Ants Canada Gan project? Yeah. Um, that yeah. always stipulates that queens must be sold with their genetics, and I think that's quite a good ethos to have policy that, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. It, it, your queen should come with their analytics because that first section you don't know if she's fertile and there's you, you can't tell until you've had your first worker and if a male yeah. drone pops out she's unfertile or even so. even if the brood is about to turn into workers you know that that queen's going to have some support when it arrives yeah 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 um although there is a possibility of some people brood boosting i mean it doesn't happen that often i'd say when buying ants no, I'm, in my eyes, that would be a bad, bad for business if you're taking brood from one colony to another colony. Um, but there are definitely people that do that. Um, well, there was um, liquid yeah, powder yeah. was all being sold brood boosted, wasn't it? Really? Definitely. I, didn't, yeah, I last, didn't hear about that. Last year, there was quite a few colonies that had been brood boosted that were being sold from what I heard. Hmm. I didn't hear anything about that. It's news to me. Hmm? What would you yeah, guys say? Really like... about that. <laughs> I, to be honest, I think brood boosting is quite a popular thing overseas. In America, for instance, um, if you're in any of the American Facebook groups for ant keeping, yeah, yeah. They, they constantly talk about brood boosting. I mean, they, they share brood with each other and it's quite it's, popular in yeah. ant keeping. It's because you have to understand that some species require brood boosting, like, you know, slave maker ants. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They have to steal brood and yeah work. that's that's one of the things i'm looking into at the moment i'd like to keep it's very interesting like for, yeah no it's, it's really it's really cool and there are even some um there are some form of species which take lasius brood uh sanguinea will take lasius but they don't prefer to take lasius they'll take a formica species yeah, yeah, lasius, yeah but if they can't find anything else then they'll take lasius or formica they get attacked by everybody it's the, 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 like the victims uh, <laughs> of the ant world i, I think formica are the ones that do the attacking especially if you look at it, some of the vast tools that they have in the woodlands you know i, think, I still yeah, hope Hood one day is referring to <laughs> formica fusca right yeah, yeah formica they're fusca. just they're just the slave ants yeah they're they are yeah. attacked by everyone but i've still yet to find uh an anthill because i've traveled like across quite a lot of the uk and i'm still waiting for the day when I just find a giant mound and I'm like, wow. I can safely say that if you go onto a military training area and you have to run across <laughs> an open field, there will be thousands of anthills. Yeah, yeah. All, all laid just flubias, I think they are, um, but you'll fall over them because it's just like, it's like a minefield of anthills to fall over and hurt your ankles. Yeah, <laughs> Salisbury Plain is filled with them as well. Yeah, exactly. It is, and, um, I have like this huge nest like two or three kilometers away from me. Yeah. Often take a look at that just to like look at it. But it's Do you not ever see the queens on top though? Because don't, oh, don't no, never. 
but in my eyes it's not the the big hill that's amazing to me yeah because i like i spot it and i walk over to it yeah but almost like 15 to 20 minutes 15 to 20 meters all around it yeah it's just pure ants so it's really hard to even place. get to the mound yeah what i'm if, if you have to go over and look at it you're certainly gonna step on a lot of them because <laughs> i was like i was really careful and at some point it got completely impossible there were just ants all over the place and even though i never had contact with the mound yeah. When I drove home, my girlfriend said, "Like, okay, you have an ant sitting on your ear and on your neck. <laughs> they were just there to attack me, and I didn't even notice. And I just wanted to take a little look." That yeah. was like this summer when I was filming the wild colonies, and I realized there was about three colonies around me. So you had uh, Lazius um, Brunia or Brunius, sorry, Lazius yeah. Brunius, where they had a massive trail. You had um, Mermica rubra, and you had Lazius niger, all cross crossing each other's trails. Damn. So I'm, I'll be filming one of them and then suddenly I'd realize I'm being stung because I'm in the middle of the <laughs> Mermica trail. So then I'd, I'd turn around and film the Mermica because they remind me that they were there. And then next thing I know, I've got the um, the Bruneus running all over my arm and I'm like, ah, which one do I film? There's too much excitement <laughs> going on here. <laughs> I, I have a question that isn't really that relevant, but the Bruneus, Lacius Bruneus, are they just like a smaller Lacius Nitro colony? Because I haven't, I have, as far as I can, oh, like, they're, I haven't they're, read that much, but it's just a different like color? a smaller... They're brown. Yeah. Sort of, um, brown and sort of jewel tones. So they're between sort of yellow and brown. Um, they're like a mix of Flavus and Lassius almost, but slightly uh, different okay. shape. Yeah. Well, they're sli slightly, slightly different. Well. No, they're about the same size as yeah. um, Lassius uh, Niger. But there's another one, Lazius Emerginatus, which is yeah, a dual-colored Lazius, and it's smaller. I would love to keep them. I like. I had. I had. A, I had a local nest where I often look at them, and I kept seeing all the drones look going around the nuptial days. I never yeah. saw one queen. I was so annoyed. What for Lazius, Lazius Emerginatus. Or... Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. Emerginatus. I, I saw the drones, and I was like. That can't be a queen. And every time I saw the drones, I never saw yeah. a queen. So I was like really Googling, is the queen just so small? But <laughs> no, it, it was just the drones. I never, I, but I never saw any queens. So that, that upset me quite a lot. I, I found one Bruneus queen. So one, when, when I did the nuptial flights, one of the colonies turned out to be a Bruneus queen. Oh. I'd say the, the species that's pretty cool. I caught was, um, uh, what was it? It was a parasitic queen. Um... Brazos? Or Falingus thing? It might have been Umbratus. I can't remember, but I know that I had three of them and I couldn't find any brood or workers to give no, that's the, worst. the queens. So the parasitic queens obviously just died because they had no nowhere to invade. Yeah. I had like five Lacius Niger colonies and suddenly yeah. like founding Lacius Niger colonies. And like a month later, the, the Umbratus queens start flying for some reason. And yeah. that was so perfect. But I was just sitting like, I can't kill the queen. So it yeah. was just such a dilemma. So I ended up taking the queen out or like, yeah, it's like pushing her away from the brood <laughs> and then giving the brood to my uh -huh. new umbrella yeah, queen. No, I get that. Trying to do and, it like, and they just, yeah. and the problem was the new queen just didn't want to, like, like she didn't care about the brood. Yo, yeah, she took it, but she couldn't figure out how to enclose the, oh. the worker. And I read about that online. That could be an issue. So I took uh, another colony and separate the queen from, for the, the like the workers and that went so smoothly and then all suddenly i have like one queen and one worker and the next the next week i had one queen and 10 workers nice wow. 
and then the queen died. So, uh. but then I just thought, well, can my old queen reach <laughs> the workers? And she actually did did that. So oh, I wow. have a queen that lost all of her workers. And, and then she got them again. back. Oh, that's yeah. quite nice. <laughs> it's like she thinks she's lost her colony. She's like, oh no, I've got to start again. And then so, she gets reintroduced. Yeah. Do I sound a bit morally wrong here then? When personally, if I was going to introduce a parasitic queen, yeah, I would do it in in the natural way. Give her somewhere to bolt hold to, but let her have distant contact and let her sort her own life out, as it were, and let her do what she does naturally. Rather do you mean than... as in just like what? if you had a colony and you had an outworld, place the queen in the outworld and let her find the colony? And let it, let it happen naturally. If she succeeds, she succeeds. Right. If she, if she doesn't. I mean, I would do it that way if I was going to go about yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's right. Well. I, I think the only thing with that is that you're taking the risk of injury. Yeah. So, it has Obviously, to be an established colony. The, the parasitic yeah, queen course. will fight the queen, and there's a possibility that if she's discovered at that point that the workers they both, can turn they kill on both her, of them, or they can kill each other. Yeah, because that does happen also, sometimes. Since I didn't want, I didn't want to do that. Before, yeah. Because I like I videotaped everything, and I have a YouTube video on the whole thing from how I initially introduced the workers or the brood, and then the workers, and recorded everything. And I just yeah. didn't want to record the fight, but I wanted to record the colony. So therefore, I decided, you know, I'm just going to take the queen away and gift some brood. Just In because... all fairness, I have been looking at a parasitic colony as it is, but this is one that's already been introduced. It's on Ant Antics web, okay. web page, um, where he's got, uh, I can't remember, I think it's Pavement Ants and something else. I can't remember off the top of my head. But I'm looking at, uh, I've been contemplating oh, getting, getting that. There's a parasitic Pavement Ant. Yeah, it, it, I've heard it about doesn't this. kill the queen. It doesn't yeah, it kill lives the queen with it. and it takes over. It lives with them. So yeah, I've seen potentially that. Potentially two Connellys, as it were. Oh, it seems nice. really that's interesting. That's weird. <laughs> no, I have yeah, heard about weird. this very recently. Uh, what is the species called? Without looking on, without looking it up, I couldn't tell you. Um, okay. But it's on Ant Antics. If you want to check it out. Is it Antantics? Ant I think so. Yeah, yeah. Antantics. Yeah. That's, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah, what check it out, guys. Uh, I mean, right. I can't do it at the moment because I'm using my iPad for this, so I can't look at it up. But uh, it's, it's, I think it's about £60, and I'm, I'm kind of really interested. They're hibernating at the moment. Yeah. There's a hibernation plan, which is cool, but I just haven't got the spare cash because I'm saving up now for. Um, I won't lie, I want meat ants. I want oh, meat ants. Bad. Yeah, I want I'm, bad. I'm, <laughs> I'm replacing my um, colony of Iridomimix Brignelli, but I really want the uh, Perpius. Yeah. What would you guys say are like your funniest stories in ant keeping? Just sorry, like, just to go started. back on that paras parasitic, I'm just on the website now. It's yeah. the Testaceous and Host Tetramorium. Oh. So, Parasite Testaceous. Never heard of that. No, no. never heard of it either. No. Is it from oh, your it's really weird. Or... It because it did the queen, every parasitic queen, um, until I stumbled across it, I always assumed took over the colony, killed the host queen, and then took over. No, um, there's there's social parasitism where they yeah. live off the other colony. Yeah, and then there's parasitism where they destroy the queen and but take this is over different the colony. Because yeah. they're actually coexisting I, with the current queen. Um, yeah, apparently, she's more dominant over the, um, the 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 host colony, but she still allows her to breed. To reproduce and she doesn't kill her they work yeah, together that's, that's work. a bit like um polyacus lambda lions will take over a camponotus nest and yeah. will found its colony 
using the Campanotus, but it won't kill the Campanotus queen. And then it would mm. just leave and form its own colony when it's ready. But that's it basically quite nice, uses it them that's so weird. It doesn't harm the <laughs> yeah. colony. That's so it's so amazing how and like all ant colonies work. It's so crazy. Well, in my it, head. Like, if, they can just if be you so actually different. go into um, the the social evolution of ants and other creatures that they've they've evolved with to yeah. sort of live together and stuff like that, it's really fascinating stuff. Is one of the things that I'm sort of looking into on the episode that I'm doing for Planet Ants on the mm. interactions, the social interactions of ants. But I also wanted to throw in how they interact with sort of other creatures that they will sort of share nests with or that will parasite off them. Like there's certain yeah. moths that will have there's their brood a, in an ant colony for the ants to protect and stuff. There's a beetle called Passus favelli, which is um, like a parasitic beetle that lives with Fidoli falladula. Um, and it basically looks like it has the same colors and it looks quite like similar, but it just mimics the ants pheromone that that, spe that species pheromones and it just lives with them and, eats and it's the, it. they, the they ant, feed it. The ant cricket does that as well, doesn't it? Yeah, the ant cricket. Yeah, I saw that in Ants cricket. Canada's video. Um, that was pretty cool. Yeah, the yellow crazy ant colony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah but now, unfortunately, I have parasites, so I have uh, mites again. Really? Yeah. Let's just hope this time he'll do the hypoaspis Mars treatment. <laughs> but mass on mass. Yeah. But the, the thing is, though, is if you dumped in, I don't know, what's the size of his tank? If you probably put in sort of the equivalent of 250,000 um, hypoaspis Mars or Simitus, whatever they're called now, yeah. um, they would take care of that infestation within a matter of a month. Yeah, okay, yeah. I have no idea what that you said was. What is that a, like a mite killer? Or... It's a predatory mite. So if you yeah. have phoretic mites, which are basically what feed off the blood of your ants, the predator mite goes in and picks them off, but it, <laughs> it doesn't actually kill the mite. So it's like 10 to 15 days that the mite is phoretic. So it's only through a certain part of its process that it will be attached to your ant and feeding off the ant. But what the hypoaspis miles does is it eats all its brood. So the last generation you have will be the generation that will die off and it will stop them from being able to reproduce, which is how yeah. they work. So, like some of them will stay, a lot of the mites will stay on those workers until they die. But because the colony is so big, you know, that last, last generation of mites is on that generation of workers. So when those workers die off, technically there's no, you know, no more mites. Yeah, and it will stop them from reproducing because it will pick off all its young the moment they come off the lay. Yeah, it's quite a smart system. Yeah, the only thing is they'll pick off all your springtails at the same time. They do the yeah, same that's thing true. to springtails. You have but to it's add not in such more a bioactive. Yeah. So, so Jake, you talked a little bit about funny stories before. Yeah, Should I was just going to say, what like what funny stories do you guys have from like you? Your early days of ant keeping, because that's when all the funniest things usually happen. I have I have a quite funny story. I have told a little bit before, but it's always a funny story. I uh, was a pretty newbie ant keeper, and I wanted to buy a Lacey's Niger colony from Ant Store and a yeah. kit. So I went on to Ant Store, and they had this really, the really cool two-in-one starter kit. So it was both a, a nest with dirt and an outworld, and I bought that. And when I received the co the colony and the nest, I was like, "Oh damn, this is so cool!" And I was I didn't really know what to do with the sand, so I just took <laughs> it and put it all in the outworld. And I never really figured out what the holes in the back were for. And like one year or two years later, I sat there thinking, "This sand was supposed to be 
the nest part and the artwork <laughs> didn't have any sand. <laughs> and I, I don't know, I just, no one ever said anything. I, I did like my very poor phone videos on them, but that's definitely the funny story I have looking back at it at least. Because I was just like, oh, all now they have like three centimeters of sand in the outworld. Why? I don't quite get it. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's oh, easily done in the beginning. Funny. Yeah, oh. so, so that's definitely one of, if not my weirdest slash funny story. <laughs> I think my most challenging stories are simply trying to put together the Chinese manufactured nests that don't come with instructions. <laughs> yes. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> I did a video on that because uh, it, it is literally guess and hope for the best. <laughs> Some nests are lucky where you have like sort of bolt holes which which line up in the way that the nest is supposed to be. Like when I did my video on the um, the nest that I think is good for mesos, uh, there's one bolt hole that's sort of offset. But if you line them all up, then yeah. you, you'll you'll definitely have the nest in the right in the right way. Ish. And, and if you don't, yeah, it's just you'll certainly have to slot a few bits around, but and just hope there's no gaps. Yeah, but usually everything kind of clicks in, so you can tell if there's. So I I have a question for all of us. Like I've been keeping ants since I don't know mid 2018. When yeah. did all of you start? Like we talked a little bit about age and whatnot, but where, where, with with which year number did you uh, guys start keeping ants in? Probably 2013, 2014. Wow. With uh, your first like successful or semi-successful? Uh, I'd say I probably wasn't successful until around 2015, maybe 2016, probably for my most successful ones because I kept leaf cutters. Uh, for a starter colony? Know, uh, no, not for a starter colony, oh, but okay, like okay. Um, <laughs> after a year or two of maybe two years of ant keeping. Um, my first successful colony was probably Mamakarubra from one queen to a hundred workers. That was, yeah, that was one of my first colonies. And I had a few, a few queens, Lassis Flavus, Campanotus uh, Nicobrensis. That was quite successful. They reached about 50 workers. Okay. What about you? Hood? Like when was the first year? Yeah, I think I'm the same as you. I think I'm looking at around uh 2017 18 i couldn't tell you exactly um but it would have been the summer because uh i collected uh Lages niger queens um as i said in my story earlier to be fair and that's where i started from and i started uh, collecting exotic species as it were which is another topic for another day <laughs> about that one um because they hibernated at winter and all the fun had gone so i was like well what am i supposed to do now so that's when i uh, started looking at exotic species started with um Fidolis, which was just a car crash for me just a car crash i, I think all Fidoli are a wrong. car crash for me to be honest every yeah. colony i've had has suffered a colony crash now five colonies so far mm, i've only the only i've had three colonies um i tried Fidoli, fedola fedolia i latin can't do it um, oh Fidoli Faladula, maybe <laughs> So to do that, that's it, yeah. Um, yeah. I, when I first started ant keeping, um, that that was the first species I got, and like I said, it was it was a collection of everything you can do wrong, you do it wrong, and I did it <laughs> wrong. Um, so them dying was part of my own doing, to be fair. Then I left them for a while because I kind of got a bad taste in my mouth, thinking maybe I'm not cracked up to what I hope to be uh, with ant keeping. And then I got them at the start of this year, uh, twenty worker 
uh, Queen Connolly, and the, as soon as I got the Queen, she was being weird as she was cutting around the uh, little portal out world thing I had for them. Just, just um, a little interruption. This year means 2020, right? Oh uh, no, 2020. Sorry, the start of the season, yeah. 2020. Yeah. Sorry, I'll keep forgetting New Year's because <laughs> Christmas just a write-off. Because no, I was thinking it was 2022 <laughs> for some reason. That so. <laughs> shows where I've been living. Yeah, exactly. Um, so then I started again there and. The queen just died, just one of those things, I guess. And um, but now I've got the noders, and I, like I said earlier, I think they're actually stabilised now. They had a crash when I first got them, but the, the there's a big pile of brood. They, they seem to be increasing in numbers. So fingers crossed, um, I've got it with my noders. But Fidoli's to me a bit of my Achilles heel. Uh, I've never yeah, I'd, I'd agree for me fan ever as much. I've not failed as much as I have. I mean, it's four Paladula colonies and one Noda yeah. colony. And literally, I every time I've moved them into an Etog nest, bang, the whole colony's just gone. Or the queen just copped out. Like, two of my Paladula queens moved in, everything seemed fine, and then looked in three days later and the queen was just KIA. Yeah, yeah. I've got a Fidoli uh, Paladula colony at the moment, and... There's no mages yet, so it's going to be quite exciting because they're in a test tube and there's only about eight, nine workers. It'll be exciting when I see the first major because obviously they're a lot smaller than like Fidoli, Noda, and other big headed ants, but they're still cool. One of the things mean... I love is when you see the yeah. first majors appear. Oh, it's like great. Like seeing it? the first major in the uh, Solenopsis Geminata was that, <laughs> that was a great feeling. I can imagine. But like, imagine having Cabrera Diversa from a queen. That would be amazing. Because you see the brood and you already know. <laughs> to be honest, like, <laughs> you already yeah, know. Major <laughs> runs, I'm not yeah. sure I'd want to found them. <laughs> Looking at how my colonies just exploded, the Karabara finish, it's just insane. I mean, when it comes to this one thing I, I will say to people, if they're thinking about yeah. getting Karabara, is really dig deep and think about the commitment of this species. Yeah, Because you need to check yourself into the Asane Asylum and just have your... your <laughs> no, honestly, no, I get, I get it about the escapes. Insane. Absolutely yeah. insane. And it is a high-risk species to keep in that sense if they escape, if they do take hold. Um, you know, the, the queens just pump out eggs like no one's business. And I've, I think I, I, I might, I may still possibly have all four queens alive in the, in the colony. Yeah, yeah. So I, I only saw, I only saw one move. So I genuinely don't know how many are left. But judging by the colony growth, there has to be more than one queen. If one queen can do that, then I'm lucky I don't have all four. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know where they're at, honestly, until they move again and I, I get a glimpse at the queens. But it was the night that my son was born so i had to shoot off to the hospital yeah and when i came back i saw the last queen moving uh, so, so we've talked a lot about like exotic species and we're all from europe or i'm the only one not from uk <laughs> so so i'm thinking like what what are you guys like favorite native species because we are we're talking a lot about Fidoli noda That's and all true. of these like exotic species mm -hmm. but what's your favorite native species I'd say well, mine's. Oh, sorry. Carry no, on. go on, go on. <laughs> um, most fun species is got to be my Lagus Nigers. I mean, I just think they're a barrel of laughs. They're so they're they're, they're, they're like petulant children that are always up to mischief for me. Doesn't matter <laughs> what I'm doing with them. There's something going on with them. I have got quite a few colonies of them to be fair, but I find them really interesting. But I, to tell you the truth, I think the most my personally most interesting species 
for natives has got to be the uh, former Kafuska. I've only got a foundation queen in a test tube still, but I'm just slightly obsessed with her. I really am. I, I love the way that former Kafuska look, to be honest. They're a, they're a yeah. beautiful species of ant. Um, I also so, think she does well. I, I mean, she's only got four works, I think, um, and she's hibernating at the moment. Um, and I hope that in the new season, she um, does really well because, to tell you the truth, I'm. I'm, I'm I think she's gorgeous, to be fair. I think the workers look gorgeous as well. And I've got a great bit of footage of the Queen um, pulling one of the workers out of a cocoon as well, uh, a pupae as well, which yeah, I think I might put it on my uh, Instagram page. Check it out. You can see it. It looks like she's ragging it about and she's eating it, but she's not. She's taking it out of the cocoon. And I, I, I just think they're awesome. But yeah. I've never kept I, a successful Connolly yet. I'd, I'd agree completely, though I have never kept a Fumicafusca. I just I've observed them so much, and I waited for them to have the nuptial flight. I never yeah. saw it's, any it's, queens, but I just I mean, looked every day because there's such <laughs> there are three like stripes, silver stripes on. Yes. Yeah. yeah, really it's beautiful. Funny. I I've remember when I was a kid. With a oh no, sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying um, I remember when I was a kid, and this was before I knew about different ant species. And I'd always been familiar with Lazius Niger. I had a very large colony in my garden, which sort of kept my hobby going. And um, I remember I'd, I traveled and I, I saw former Kafuska for the first time. And I remember looking at it going, that is one big ant. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I was thinking yeah. it was Lazius Niger. Someone had been feeding them steroids as a kid. I was like, <laughs> how do I get these ones? Why don't I have these big ones in my garden? And for me, like, I think that's where my, my love of Formica came in mm. I, I do i love formica and i think myrmica as well so if you're going for native species those are my two favorite but i do get a kick out of the insane side of ant keeping i'm not one of these people that wants a, a colony that won't keep me on my toes i think we can all um, agree though with formica fusca there because like even for yeah. me it was very recent when i saw them in the wild because i was in um this woods near i went to this woods near where i live which i'd never been to before and it's like, it's absolutely massive. And I was just exploring, I was thinking, I hope I can find something more than, you know, Momokarubra or Lassius Niger. And then I came across like a former Kafuska colony as well. I saw like one of the workers and I was like, oh my God, this is a, this, literally what you said, I had the exact same expression. This is a big ant. And then, <laughs> you know, like I found the colony and it was just amazing seeing like such big ants in the wild. Cause obviously at that point I'd only kept a lot of um exotic ants as well so i hadn't really seen bigger wild species yeah i've only i've only seen them in the wild once and that was i was in a military training area believe it or not down south somewhere and i can't think of the life of me where it was but um i seen a former confusca and they were being raided by slave makers and unfortunately wow. in the situation that i was ds in so i didn't get the chance um to sit down and watch what was going on it was just like wow this is going on i want to watch it but i've got work to do um so it was one of those ones but it was it was really i didn't get what was going on at first and then once i comprehended what was going on it was so interesting to watch so so interesting but like i said it, it is what it is and i also must say i i do kind of really love the look of the formica rufi barbis as well um i think they're really cool too yeah, yeah i remember when i was training in sunny bridge i actually um I went down into the prone position and it's while we were doing our, our training exercise and I actually got swarmed by a Myrmicarubra colony. <laughs> Absolutely swarmed by them. And there was nothing I could do. And I remember I was just trying to take the pain 
and there was just a baby frog sitting on a blade of grass. <laughs> and I kind of, <laughs> while I'm being stung, I just, I just zoned out, staring at this frog going, I can't move, there's nothing I can do. We're, we're waiting to do a snap ambush. I can't start screaming that I'm being stung by ants. <laughs> Commit so to the cause, mate. Pretty it's much. It's so weird man. for me hearing how much you talk about Mimikaruba. Like I've seen, yeah. I've seen one worker in my entire like really? life. Wow. Yeah, I've seen one or two workers. Um, and I got a picture of one of them, and pretty quick, pretty quickly through Instagram, they yeah. were identified, and I never found the nest. Wow. But but then, so like common. you you keep like, you keep talking about them yeah. like, like all over the place. I've seen them like everywhere. In fact. I if think it wasn't, if South it wasn't Formica, is, is filled with yeah. Myrmica, certainly. If it wasn't Formica for me, like my favorite native would definitely be Myrmica rubra. Yeah. I think that's just because mm. I've kept them, I've kept them for so many years, and they've always been like a stable, strong ant. That you know, I like that they have a slightly more aggressive uh, approach to keeping the colony alive, and I just found that really interesting. Yeah. I, I, I think they've well. got some very interesting sort of behavioral traits. In, Definitely, in yeah. They are they are good to observe. Like especially when you watch like all the queens. I don't know when you have a patch test you with brood and queens, and you can just see them like it's just amazing. Yeah. Hmm. So guys, I think uh, I think my favorite species that I'd really want is currently. Um, what's it called? Leaf cutter ants. Because really? I've, oh, okay. I've, I've, I've been expecting them for so long and I have a setup ready and yeah, just, yeah due to COVID. I watched your video been... of you doing your setup, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I watched really that cool too. Video. It was yeah. really good. And, I'm, yeah. and, I'm, and it's been ready and it's been tested and I'm just ready to receive them and putting cup on top of the mushroom, well, not the, the fungus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Due to COVID, it's just been delayed so much. So I don't know when they are arriving right now, but like, have you any. Do you any? Do you guys have any like queens or colonies you really want? So, but, mm, yeah, dream species. I, I, I think I am literally the anti-mon master. I want all twelve thousand five hundred known species <laughs> plus the yeah. twenty-two thousand unknown yeah, species. Yeah, that's, that's I, a good answer. <laughs> I, I literally, I, I want to have them all if I could. Uh, my my absolute ultimate world dream would be to open up an ant zoo and just display every possible species going. <laughs> I really would love it. And imagine you could have like so many, like ah, oh, the displays would just be awesome because I'd, you could I'd, have so many colonies in one building that it would actually be a zoo. Yeah, I'd, I mean, I'd, <laughs> I'd have leaf cutter trails that go above yeah, your head, that would just be awesome. on just on vines. You know what I mean? And I'd I'm going to have that in my future house. I'm, I'm going to. Well, I tried to get the uh, wife to agree to that one because I said because we've got such a big living room and I need yeah. quite a large area to roam. I wanted to get a rope suspended by fishing wire because I can't come with the fishing wire. <laughs> yeah, go yeah. around, go out of the nest, round the living room, and then down into the other side of the living room where my drinks cabinet is, and then yeah. get all the uh, leaves from there, then walk it all the way back. But it was a, a stout no. Don't even think about <laughs> yeah. it. My Don't girlfriend was happy to again, do that. Ever. <laughs> yeah, the, my my missus said exactly the same thing when I said I'm going to be uh. piping the colony around the house. She said on whose life? <laughs> I was like, well, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how that one goes because at at some point the uh, acromimics are going to need to have a trail because it's actually um, a health issue with the colony. So yeah. if yeah, they don't yeah, if they don't walk a certain distance, they become <laughs> unhealthy. It's like huskies. Pretty oh, well, that's that's pretty clear. Like argument. Well, I need to do it. Yeah, it's, I, it's, need, it's, I need it's to do it. For the you will when it get, they get big enough. 
Oh, you don't want you don't want me to like make make my ants have it bad. Then I need to have this. <laughs> I, I do. The thing is, I'll just wait till she goes shopping one day, and she'll come back, and there'll be the, all these pipes attached around the house, and she'll be like, "What's that?" And I'll be like, "No, watch. This is so cool." And I'll, I'll put it in. I mean, she she actually, to be fair, she actually likes the leaf cutter ants. She finds them quite interesting watching them carry the leaves off and stuff. So. Yeah. I think I think the idea of it scares her, but once she sees it in motion, it'll be it'll be too late anyway. So it's the same for <laughs> my she girlfriend. Like, as well, <laughs> she's scared of the ants, but she finds them interesting. She keeps she's... on getting stung by the Solanopsis at the moment. So oh she's not dear! Having a great time. If my girlfriend got stung by one, I don't think she'd. <laughs> yeah, uh, she'd change her view. We we've had a few moments. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I have to go away from time to time as well. My, my wife looks after uh, my, my Connollys for me, but most of mine are fairly easy to look after, to be fair. And I'm currently looking at designing nests that make low maintenance a, a key thing. So hopefully yes, that yeah. pans out. Speaking of nests, that's one thing I was going to say when we were talking about slaver species is sadly I find on the market, there's nothing to accommodate slaver species in the sense of you're always going to need donation species. So you're going to need a nest that you're able to take pupae out of. Yeah. And there's nothing really on the market that's designed for harvesting pupae out of a nest. Yeah, that's also what I was thinking of when you said like over in America that they just give it to each other. I well, no, sadly, what they do in America, which I, I I think is pretty sad, is they have a tendency to dig up a wild colony. Yeah. Uh, deal yeah, all its brood, do. yeah. And then they will, they will donate the brood out to the captive colonies, which I personally don't agree with. It is quite no. a strong culture in there in in the ant keeping and the, the american side of it for sure because yeah. it, it's not common in britain and, and people no, here won't do pick it. up a wild colony to do it they will they will donate from their own captive species like i know a few people that have donated colony from uh brood from their captive species but we certainly don't go and dig up wild colonies so no so, so Look, I mean, I don't, just don't agree with brood boosting anyway, to be fair. I mean, that's just my my, my perspective on things. I think it's um, for an ant keeper that loves all of his colonies. I don't want to see... This is one reason why I don't keep a parasitic queen, to be fair, as well. E I don't ethically, want to see... I, I think you have certain scenarios. Like, say your yes. all your workers have died, your queen's alone. If someone can get you some brood in a pupae stage of the same species, that could save your queen. So Definitely. There are there are pros and cons yeah, to it, but again, it's it's how do you remove the pupae without stressing out the donor colony exactly. or damaging the con the donor colony? Well, and I've been thinking about that concept for a while, you see, and I think part of the issue with um, what you're, you're suggesting having an easy access to get the brood out is it do it doesn't really matter how you design it, you're always going to get workers coming out and about and getting at you as well and getting yeah, out of course but if you've got a certain design where like say if you can slide in doors and stop more workers from getting in so say if you're yeah. in the brood chamber and there's maybe like you know six seven workers in the brood chamber you slide the door in so that you know you're only competing with the six seven workers you know you, you can use like a, a fine I, I nick my missus makeup kit all the time so i've got her makeup brushes and I sort of like. What do you do at weekends? Doesn't concern us, matey. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I sort of brush the workers back so that yeah. they're they're not getting out using sort of makeup brushes, so I'm not damaging them because they're quite a soft tip brush. And yeah. then uh, I think that that would make it more manageable. Or if you had, like I said, with the test tube design that I spoke to you about before, mm. um, 
where you can lock it off and pull out the test tube and then you can sort of, you know, put the workers back into the outworld and then you can empty out the brood as needed. Yeah, I'm still thinking about that design to be fair. I'm just perfecting what I'm working on at the moment first um, and then I'll move on to that one um, because I'm kind of curious how, how you could do that. I think your door, your sliding doors is probably a good idea of getting, limiting the amount of workers in, definitely. Yeah. I mean, some mm. of the... Um... That concept is in like ants Australia nests because they have the little plastic thing you can push down to cover the hole. Um, so something that concept does exist, but it's not very common. Yeah, but e even then they they normally have access doors, but there's nowhere to open. Yeah, up. Yeah, no, you're right. Rude. So mm. even then with the nest, you could you can you can lock off access from ants getting into certain parts, but it's, you still can't get to the brood easily. The problem is also for an ant store to like make something like that. I don't think many wants to do that. There's definitely like these people who wants to do that and yeah, wants to like. If you think about it, every year, how many times do you see former Casanguinia colonies going up for sale? So yeah. Yeah. you know they're. they're there are people who are keeping slaver species out there and although it is yeah, quite a course, niche a niche side of it i think it will help those people when they need to brood boost those slaver colonies or when they need to sort of transfer some brood i mean it is specialist like i do agree that it is specialist but then you could say the same thing for um leaf cutter yeah ups. i guess you can you say know, the same thing for everything but i just think like for an end store to like Already today, the market is pretty pushed, so the prices are getting higher and higher. Yeah. And the in the like the the amount of money you get back from making these nests, I think it's getting pretty less and less just due to the competition. So if you want to make like something for very specific people, I just I don't think there's enough market. Like I think you should really like keep your own species and then maybe design it and then sell it. But, but it depends on the design. If you can make them to order, yeah, then you, you're not holding stock, so you're you're still making money. And in a way, you're if you was a shop, you would be expanding your profits because you're you're actually yeah, going true. into a niche side of the market that's not catered for. So yeah, it's true. It, you know, yeah, it's, it, it's definitely true. It, it's just that you, know, you have to do a lot of designing to like something you can pull out and close and pull in again. And there's a lot of mechanisms that you just can't do that, with a that 3D is the, printer, that is, I think. That is the thing. I mean, it, it's it, not okay. as difficult as you think it is. Because obviously I'm, I'm using uh, CAD designs to make the nests that I'm doing for my own personal use, by the way. It's not as difficult as you say it is. And JB's concept is fairly easy to do, um, to be able to achieve, to be honest. And I think I'd be able to do it. In fact, I'm pretty sure I'll be able to do it. And I'm pretty sure I'll be able to do it. Um, so I mean, certainly it's, it's one of the reasons that I haven't kept a slaver species yet. Although I've been interested yeah. in keeping one for over a year, I haven't found something that I can successfully keep a donor colony in and access the brood to be able to give that brood to the slave making species. So I, I must say, is that a challenge accepted from a hood? <laughs> that is to be fair, but I, 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 will, um, I am just, in fact, I was just thinking about it. So I'm staring at my nest now, probably ready to test it out on my Campanotes Nicobrensis. So I might be able to start working on it, uh, the design concept anyway, fairly soon. I've just got some other bits and bobs that I want to finick around with. So I need to make an ant tower, um, a feeding tower, because my in my um, Polyrachis dive terrarium, wood lice are just stealing their food, constantly stealing their food, <laughs> always at it, robbing their food. And you've got Big Bob, who's a big orange wood lice, yeah. who just dominates the place. He, he walks around like he's, he's, he's carrying carpets. <laughs> he's you just... know, 
<laughs> you know, I completely agree with you because, like, my Momokuruba colony has quite a lot of wood lice, and they do steal so much of the food. It's really funny. Yeah, yeah. I, I, so I, I, I always put in. Get doing it. Yeah, I always put in a separate feeding area for my isopods. Uh, it's got to the point. So... It's got to the point now where the Momokuruba actually killed some of the wood lice just because they were taking too much food. <laughs> Have you guys seen that um, bug grub? Have you bug seen rub. bug Yeah, it's like a dry powder um, oh, no. bug rub. It's sold in sort of pets at home and stuff like that. Yeah, I've seen it. Oh, okay. but, um, what I do is I put in some of that and I put yeah. in some fish flakes. Yeah. And that's for the isopods. Now, the isopods will go absolutely crazy for the fish flakes and the bug rub. Interesting. But the, the ants won't touch it. So what I normally do is I put in a sprinkle of that in one corner and you just see the isopods heading over because they're just like, well, dinner's just been served. Yeah. And then when I'm feeding the ant colonies, I, I sort of put their food over. You you will find them polishing off the the carcasses, but it, it's a good way to distract them. Is if you get like fish flakes and bug grub and stuff like that that the ants won't eat. Well, I did kind of expect the especially polyrachus being what they're like to defend the food a bit more, but they're just not that interested in defending I, it. My, my polyrachus will. I think my, it's great when you see the see them feeding with the ants though like you just see them there next you to do, the yeah. ants feeding yeah. it's really cool I, it's funny I've, I've seen an ant chilling on top of one of the uh olivus <laughs> yeah so the Pacelio olivus is like eating and there's this ant on top of it just cleaning itself <laughs> but i didn't have any battery to film it oh, and, and the isopods just like stomping around with this ant just like literally sitting on top of it <laughs> i've also got to think about the um, springtails as well I've designed it the tower so i can put the feeding pots on uh you know like the liquid feeders on top of it because the springtails just get all over the um all over the honey pots just, just yeah to everywhere and the springtails exploded in the population wise to be fair in my in my um terrarium which is good because it shows it's bioactive and all that malarkeys and which is good news but um I need to do something because my polyrachas are just getting food robbed off from left, right, and Chelsea. <laughs> see, see, my polyrachas will pick up the Bosselli um, olivas and throw them. They actually really? throw them. Really? Yeah, it's funny. They'll they'll pick them up so that the isopod goes into a ball. Yeah, and then they'll literally just just, just lock wow. them, or they'll they'll, <laughs> they're, they're, they'll carry like, them off somewhere. <laughs> so they're basically like you know playing a uh, basketball or something. Yeah, I must admit my my polyrachas they don't take any. Uh, I've never seen that. That's they didn't take anything either. lightly. So I know your like, polyrachis is huge, though, mate. They're doing <laughs> really, really well. Yeah, I'm just really sad about losing the other queen because I was really excited to do a um, a breeding program with them. So my, don't they interbreed anyway? They do, but it's a real sort of grey area to understand. So some people say they will only breed within the colony if you have a polygene colony. So if you have yeah. multiple queens, they'll breed. Um, and then other people say you only need one queen and you'll end up with 100 queens, but it's not been studied in detail. So, so what is the what is the mechanism of this like species? Do they have to mate regularly? Um, they, they do the same trick as the black crazy ants. So they will clone the queen yeah. and then produce males with different genetics to oh, be able so to... That's is that, so cool. But yeah. is that through? Is that still through fertilization, or is that infertile? Well, they they already carry the they oh, they, okay. they already separate separate the genetics. So when the queen lays new queens, yeah, he's actually just laying clones of herself, and then the, the male wow. workers are born with different genetics. So when they mate with the queen, yeah. they're basically mating with her clone, but they have the the different genetics so that they're able to breed without the, without interbreeding so you yeah, don't yeah, have genetic course. issues wow. that's really cool 
once again, ants are amazing. <laughs> they are. I mean, e even when you think you've learned it all, you will learn more. I mean, like, for example, I did not know that. I genuinely didn't know that. Yeah, one of the things I wanted to do with them is basically, you know, like Ants Canada did, where he had the the two separate top pods where the yeah, late oh, yeah. was supposed bullets. to go yeah, into, yeah, yeah. and then match. I was going to do the same, same, similar kind of thing with the Polyakas, but then uh, one colony murdered the queen, so now they've they've merged. So I was just going to ask you guys, like, um, I know as YouTubers we have to kind of keep our ideas relatively to ourselves until we release them. But like, if you were to say anything on this, what what upcoming ideas or possibilities do you think you guys? Do you know, have? I must say that I, I think it's quite sad in the in the YouTube culture on everyone being you're just worth your subscribers and not wanting yeah. to work with one another. And it's kind of like, hold on a second here, yeah. Let's face it. If you look at it in reality, we're not competing for subscribers. No, we're someone, not. Of course, someone who would subscribe to my channel might subscribe to your channel. Probably subscribe to Ants Canada channel. Like when I, I don't get where people sort sort of feel like they're competing for the for the subs and that and that. I really don't see that at all. That's I would not love like... to see a change in the community with yeah. ant keepers working together more, like we are. Like, like this podcast I, I, is such a great idea. Mm. Yeah. I, I've, for for people that keep a communal insect. <laughs> I find it strange yeah. that we're not that communal with each other. Do you know I, what I, have, mean? I have like, I have, um, I just started with my future plans. I just, yeah. my first Ant Holofer Ant show will be like being published this Sunday. And right. by the time that the podcast hits YouTube or wherever it is, it is probably out already. And that's just a whole show where I'm just the host and I'm just like two minutes with this and YouTube or two minutes with this. Oh, the, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, the thing, yeah, you're in it, yeah. Um, but like, I have so many like plans to do that. So just like a show to talk yes, with different I. YouTubers, just like two minutes that's, with this That's YouTuber always been and... my goal. I mean, quite early on, I, I, I created that group and invited loads of uh, Oh, but you told me, JB, you said that, um, who was it? Someone else had already like stolen the idea. They were in the group and they stole the idea and did it beforehand. Uh, what, um, what idea? Yeah, they set up the let's talk. But when I spoke to them, it was kind of like they had already had their idea going. Another yeah. YouTuber was doing the same thing. Then they saw the group that we was doing the same thing. So they just kind of went ahead with the the let's talk ants, which, you know, I'm like, as I said to them, I think it's an amazing idea. You know, I, I'd love to be a, a part of it, but I just found it funny. That's what I referred to before, where I said it's funny how people get so funny over the the competition aspect of it. And I don't see the competition aspect of it because I just think, you know, we're all in the same hobby. It's quite a niche hobby, you know, as content creators. Why don't we just work together to give people better exactly. content? You know, yeah. we're not we're but not everybody... perfect. You know, so everyone has different ethos, different ideas, different morals, different ways of keeping ants, and we can all learn from each other, and everyone can learn from us. So, I think working I agree with together you is, is something I, I I'd totally like to see more. Yeah, well, we've worked together for a lot uh, for well since I started my channel. We've been working together, so it's been over, just over six months now. To be fair, so we've already always been quite close knit, but. I, I see what you mean when you're coming from people want to hold their cards to the chest, but I've been very much a firm believer that ant keeping is um, a bit like dog handling, to be fair. Nobody will ever agree on how to do something. There'll always be somebody that says, no, do it this way, no, do it this way. So even though we might do the same topics, there'll always be a different spin on it. 
and I've never been yeah I've never been too fussed about I mean I'll quite happily tell people what I've got planning what I've got coming up and stuff like that uh, I, I don't mind if people want to use that idea and do their own channels knock yourself out I really I really don't care I think it's I mean, like yeah again it's what your motivation for your channels got to be about hasn't it because yeah if your motivation is because i want to make money out of it i want to be uh, i want to get paid content blah blah then yes you are going to be holding your cards close to your chest but you're also but not going like, to get very far because exactly yeah. but if you're, you're like invested me, for just money just wants to i'm a hobbyist i'm not an yeah. expert I'm a hobbyist and i just like i don't have my jobs i don't have the opportunity to talk to people about it because they're quite macho jobs as it were and people aren't interested so my yeah, same in my career team, Exactly, yeah, same for me. Exactly, my outlet for being a geek is um, about Anne's, is my YouTube channel, and that's always been my main aim. Now, if I can make my hobby pay for itself, so I don't spend X amount of money like I am, that would be awesome, but it's not my be-all and end-all. Yeah, of I course, just, I, like, I don't think people will see the uh, costs that go into it from a content no. creator aspect when you start buying... <laughs> no. When you start buying equipment and obviously like, lenses. like like myself <laughs> like, I, yeah well I, i'm yeah, already looking at a, a 600 pound macro lens which which i'm going to get on the um a, a finance so i'm going to pay x amount per month to be able to get this lens but i Make think it'll be i think it'll be spot on when I, when i have the quality of the ants on it thank you for joining us for the launch of the colonial ant cast myself jb hood alex and jake our podcast talking ants with each other and fellow enthusiasts. If you would like to join us as a guest, get in contact. We'll be meeting up twice a month to talk about your favorite subject, Formis Sidai, the family of ants. Catch us next time. And bye-bye for now. See you later. I'm off to feed my ants. <laughs>